Let's welcome Darius and Jessica. I understand they're here somewhere. And uh, there they are. All right. All the way from a foreign country. Going to another one. Good to have them with us. Well, I know that uh, today we're going to talk about and share with you what is the future plan. And I know some of you are asking that question right now. What are we going to do here at Solid Rock? Well, we're definitely not going to be a parking lot church forever. Amen? All right. Next Sunday, we'll be here on the 24th. And then on May the 31st, the last Sunday of this month, we're going back in the building. So I know I... Well, just remember, you got an opportunity to at least turn your air conditioner on. I don't. All right? And I'm looking forward to that myself. So today I want to speak to you on the subject of what is the plan for the future? Not so much just going back into the building or six foot uh, distance and all those kind of things. But in James chapter 4, beginning with verse 13, it talks about our future and our future plan. The scripture says, look here, you people who say today or tomorrow, we're going to a certain town and we'll stay there a year. We will do business there and make profit. How do you know what will happen tomorrow? For your life is like a morning fog. I think the King James Version says a vapor. It is here a little while and then it's gone. What you ought to say is if the Lord wants us to, we will live and do this or we'll do that. Otherwise, you will be boasting about your plans and all such boasting is evil. Remember, it is a sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. Father, we do thank you for this day and thank you for each and everyone that's here. And, and Lord, we just pray that you will in these few moments speak to our heart and feed our spirits. And uh, we just thank you for your Holy Spirit that it's not confined to a building, but it's also in the parking lot. Thank you, Lord Jesus. For this time together in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'm thankful that our governor, governor, even though he's just like many of us and most of us, but Georgia all over the United States is one of the front run runners of opening up their state and allowing people to go back to work, and I'm grateful to that. But you know, the fact of it is in James 4.14, it says, how do we know what's going to happen tomorrow? And the answer to that is we really don't. The truth about the state, that statement is while we don't know what the future is going to look like, we know who holds the future. Amen? We know that God's still in control, that God is in charge. And as God's people, we need to never forget that the Lord is on His throne. He knows what's going down here, and, and he knows all of the suffering and the different ones going through different things. And what he wants us to, to do and to be is to be a light, to be a, a, a guiding principle. And, you know, Proverbs 16, 4 says, The Lord has made everything for his own purpose. While this may uh, not have been our plan, it does f fall into God's purpose. Proverbs 16, 9 says, we can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. God definitely has a distinctive plan, 
But some of us are, have run into, I'm sure, the optimist and, and the pessimist. The optimists, as they view the future, look at it in a form of anticipation. They look at it as the future is still a place of weddings and, and a time where children and grandchildren are still coming. Uh, they look at it as a positive of college and schools. And you school teachers, believe you me, I'm going to prophesy you are going to see your kids go back to school and you won't have to be the one trying to teach them at home. You see, also, our future in an optimist type view is it's a place of opportunities. It's a place of courtship. It's a place of challenge and victories. So life can be viewed in a life of faith, but then there's also those who are operating by fear. They're, they're pessimists. The future looks terrible. It looks horrible. Uh, they not uh, good things aren't going to happen. They focus in on sickness and death and partings and are going to take place. Sadness, burdens, and despair, where va- valleys and storms and loneliness becomes the number one priority. You see, depending upon your outlook and mine, life is either going to be bright for the future or bleak, dark. It's going to be hopeless or it's going to be hopeful. As we make this trip into the future, we need to do so with a plan. And I believe with all my heart, the plan is already predetermined. I believe the plan is already uh, done and laid out by God, and we need to make sure we're a part of that. When I was going to Bible college, and different ones talked about different things, and I told them that how important it was to have life insurance, and they'd say, well, I'll tell you what, that's just a lack of belief. That's a lack of, uh, of faith. And see, I don't, I don't see it that way. I see life insurance, while it's one of those necessities that is for your family when you're gone, I think it's, I think it's important. I don't think it's a mistake. I think that in the future, you're going to find out for you that put money back in the bank and you saved some funds, you're going to find out that that, that was a, a smart move. It wasn't a mistake. I, think it's not a, I don't think it's a mistake to plan for retirement. Matter of fact, I think for my part, being 65, it's irresponsible if I haven't done that or I'm not continuing to do that. Dave Ramsey is sort of my financial guru who I go to in seeking counsel about biblical matters. And he says, don't be stupid with your future. Have a plan. Secure your future by having a plan and make sure that you understand that God, while he expects us to have faith, he expects us to live by faith, he doesn't expect us to be dumb about matters when it comes to finances and, and, and our future. But I want to just quickly mention three things about our future, and, and these are obvious mistakes and I want to make sure that you don't make those mistakes, that you and I keep, keep focused and we keep a uh, target on, on the future. The first mistake we see in light of our text is verse 13. It says, come now you who say today and tomorrow uh, we'll go in such and such a city and spend a year there, buy, sell, and make profit. The first major mistake that if we're not careful is planning without God. Now, while it's true... Maybe you have the job that you have now because you just felt like that's what you wanted to do. That's what you felt led to do. Well, I got news for you. I believe with all my heart 
that God leads us, and whether you're a plumber, electrician, whether you're in the missionary mission field, or whether you're a pastor, or, or whatever, a policeman like Brother James, or whatever, these are positions that I believe that God calls us to if that's where he wants us to be. And sometimes I think we end up in these positions, and there are people who are in those positions that don't belong there because that's why God never intended them to be there. You see, the text implies that this man had his eyes on going to the city, setting up shop, carrying on business and making money. And, and on the very outset, there's nothing wrong with that. But if you've done that without consulting God, if you've done that without asking him, if you're picking the place and you're picking the job and you're trying to determine your profit, then I want you to know that the Bible's very clear. In Psalms 37, 23, it says, the steps of a godly man are directed by the Lord. And I personally have learned firsthand in the last 42, 43 years, I haven't done anything major like that, whether it be a church or whether it be a, uh, going from one home to the next or one state from the next. I've always consulted God and I said, God, I don't want to get out of your will. I don't want to do something that you don't really want me uh, to get involved in. And even though it might be a good thing. In the New King James Version, it says in James 3.13, Today or tomorrow we'll go in such a, uh, a city and, and spend a year there. The fact of it is, you and I are really not guaranteed tomorrow. Amen? And so, there's nothing wrong with anticipating for the future. It's just you and I may not be a part of that. But it is kind of neat to know since 1989, I was 34 years old when I came to this city. And now I've reached 65 and... I've, I've, I'm in my 31st year here as your pastor, and it's been a good time. Not very many pastors get to stay over 30 years in the same spot. They either make somebody mad, or they get bored, or they get whatever, and they decide to move on. But, and it's been a, a joy to be here and be a part of that. But I also know that tonight, I could leave out of here. Tonight, my life could end. For I have no real guarantee for tomorrow. I have no guarantee that I'll be here in the future. And, and I want you to know that when it, in verse 13, it talks about you and I buying and selling and making profit. There's nothing wrong with God's people making money. Amen? Y'all ought to agree with that. But understand that in your making money, money shouldn't be your God. It shouldn't be the only reason you exist. Money is important. If, if that weren't the case, you wouldn't hear this verse, 1 Timothy 5, 8. But if anyone does not provide for his own, and especially for those of his own household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. 2 Thessalonians 3.10 says, Whosoever or whoever does not work should not eat. And then verse 12, it says, Settle down and get to work earn your own living. Understand that God has a plan for your life. He knows what he wants you to do. He knows, he knew what he wanted me to do, and it was up to me to find out from him and to seek him and to know if that's what he really wanted me to do. You see, profit's important, but profit is not my God. And my God, I, Cindy and I were watching a movie last night about this couple that lost their whole family because they were poor. They didn't have any money. They were put in jail because they couldn't meet a $230 uh, bill at the store. 
Well, I got news for you. There is no sin against being poor. But when it comes to you and I making a living and paying things, there's nothing wrong for you and I listening to God. And I know that God blesses those. He's blessed me, and I know he's blessed you. And he'll continue to do so as long as we bring him in and, and follow his plan for our lives. Remember, Proverbs 16, 9 says, A man's heart plans his way, but the Lord will direct his steps. When I was a, when I was a teenager, my dad came home one evening and said, We're going to move the family to Maine. First of all, I don't know that I'd heard about Maine other than in classroom. And I said, Dad, do you know where Maine's at? Can we get there from here? And uh, he and his mom took a trip and went to Maine. When they came back, all of a sudden, he said, I'm not going to Maine. You say, well, did your dad pray about it? I really don't know, and I can't ask him. Well, do you think your mama had something to do with that? When she went up there, she very well could. She was just that kind of woman. She spoke her mind. But I do know this, that if my family had moved to Maine, I probably would not be here preaching today. I probably would have not come here in 1989. I probably would have never met Cindy. And I wouldn't have the, the daughter-in-laws and the grandkids that I have now. And may, I may not even have the boys I have now, that, that I have now. You see, one decision can change a whole future for a family. And we need to make sure that the decisions we make are divinely ordered by God's own permission. And he has, if he, if he does that, I promise you he will take care of you. Second of all is the mistake of presuming about tomorrow. It's a mistake. James 4.14 says, how do you know what's going to happen tomorrow? The fact of it is, I said earlier, you don't. But he brings about two obvious truths about presuming about the future. Number one, the uncertainty of tomorrow. There's nothing wrong with you and I planning for tomorrow. There's nothing wrong about us trying to do what God wants us to do, but make sure it, it, that we involve him in on the equation. We never know when life's going to throw us a curveball, do we? I would have never known 60 days ago that I'd be out here today in the parking lot looking at you in a car of all places, and hopefully you got your air on because it's getting rather warm right here. But, you know, a person can be sailing calm seas one day and then stormy seas will appear tomorrow. Understand that we don't know what's coming our way. We don't know how things are going to come. But there is an uncertainty about tomorrow. But also he talks about a brevity. He says, we're here for a little while like the morning dew or like vapor. And then... It's gone. Proverbs 27 verse 1 says, Boast not thyself of tomorrow, for thou knowest not what the day may bring forth. You say, well, what does brevity look like? Well, listen to these words. When as a child I laughed and wept, time crept. When as a youth I dreamed and talked and time walked. When I became a full-grown man, time ran. When older I still grew, time flew. Soon I shall find it passing on, time will be gone. The most important thing that you and I can do is make the best of each and every day of which we live. Make sure that we've done exactly what God wants us to do this day. And I promise you, 
you and I will stand before a Savior who will say to us one day, well done, thou faithful servant. The third mistake that we can make according to this passage is found in the word procrastination. Verse 17 said, remember, it's a sin to know what you ought to do and then not do it. The King James Version says, therefore, to him to know what to do good and doeth it not, to him it is a sin. The New King James Version says, therefore, to him who knows to do good and does it not, to him it is a sin. Procrastination is putting off doing what we know God wants us to do. Now, many of you, uh, I don't know how faithful you are of listening to the Word of God each day, being in your Bible each and every day, listening to God speak. But there's one thing about it. I've heard different testimonies from different people that say this. You know, since I've been out of church, away from church, some of my little words have been coming back from the past that I don't need to be saying. Some of the, my life spiritually don't feel like, like it ought to. Well, you know, coming to church every Sunday is not going to cause that to be strong. But you not meeting with the Lord each day, you not spending time in prayer and seeking His face will definitely do that. How many of you here today, when it comes to the matter of sin, how many of you have fallen in to procrastination? You say, what does that mean? That means putting off doing what you know God wants you to do. You know, sometimes if we're not careful, we begin to, to decline spiritually. Our anger will increase. We'll get frustrated. We'll get depressed. We'll begin to worry. And a lot of things will take place in our life that normally when we're tuned up with God, we're, we go through those a little bit better. So as, I think, as we think about that today, I want to encourage you if you're struggling in an area of a matter of sin, know that God uh, will, will be strong in you, in your weakness, if you allow him to come in and be a part of that. But then also there's the matter of salvation. 2 Corinthians 6, 1 and 2 says, God, as God partners, we, we beg you not to reject the marvelous message of God's great kindness. For God says... At just the right time, I heard you on the day of salvation. I helped you. Today is the day of salvation. Now is the accepted time. And now is the day of salvation. Jesus was dialoguing and sharing with people on this earth when he shared the parable in Luke 16. He told of a rich man, the Bible tells us, that was crying out unto Abraham and desiring a miracle to be done so, and I quote in verse 16, 20, or 28, verse 28, Luke 16. He said, I have five brothers that I want to warn them against this place of torment. So they won't have to come here when they die. Let's face it. We all are aware and we're around people that the matter of salvation should be important. We know that there's individuals that we would desire them to be saved. But for some reason or another, they choose not to come. They want to put it off. They want to do it another day. And, and possibly for this rich man, as we know, that day did not come. So my prayer to you, if you're here today, that you're steadfast and you're sure of your salvation. You know for a fact that Jesus lives within your heart. You know for a fact that if you were to die tonight, 
that you would be with Jesus. You see, salvation is important. Jesus taught us in Peter, 2 Peter 3, 9, the Lord isn't really slow about his promise to return, as some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake. He doesn't want anyone to perish, so he's given us more time for everyone to repent. Be careful that you uh, let your guard down and you're not able to be used by Jesus of letting other people know about our Savior. And then the third matter of procrastination has to do with our service. In John chapter 9, verse 4, it says, Jesus said, all of us must quickly carry out the task assigned us by the one who sent me because there's a little time left before night falls and all work comes to an end. Psalms 100 verse 2 says, Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. Know that the Lord, He is God, and it is He who has made us and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Can I ask you a question today? Since you're not driving, you can bow your heads there where you are sitting and close your eyes for a moment. And I want to ask you in light of the procrastination, how is your sin life? How is your life going on? Is there some things that are poking its head up? And as the band or as Joe begins to play and and on the inside, I'm not sure if he can hear me. Uh, How about it for you in in your life? Uh, Are there some things and matters right now that you need to take to Jesus? Have you allowed some of your old ways to maybe creep up in the flesh where maybe you haven't been as in tune spiritually as you need to be? You know, some of you may be making some definite career changes, some, some, some definite area changes in your life. Make sure you don't leave God out. What about in the matter of salvation? You say, well, Mike, I'm saved. Well, is all your family saved? Everybody around you know Jesus? Do you even care that they come to know him? We at least need to be those who scatter the seed. And then, of course... There's the service. To him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. You know, God wants to use all of us in his fold, in his work, in his, and we're all sheep of his pasture. And I just hope and pray that you've been locked in and you're not looking for ways to quit, but you're looking for ways that you might connect and be a part of what God would have for your life. As we close in these times and as you're seeking in your own life what's going on, remember Karen Puckett's family. It's his, her husband's here today. She worked in our food building for years. A few weeks ago, she passed away. And uh, I talked with her husband there a little while ago. and It's been difficult on him. Some of you may remember Jimbo that used to go to the church. That was his mother. Just remember that While things may be going good in your life, it's not all going good around this world. It's not going good when you've got a 14% unemployment rate continuing to going to rise. People are going to be hurting. People are hurting. They're calling the churches now asking, how can you help me? I got kicked out of my house and I have no place to go. Many of you have been blessed and and you have places of security. But understand, not everybody is like that. Father, 
I thank you for these people here at Solid Rock. They're good people, and you love them very much. And Lord Jesus, we look to you, the author and finisher of our faith. We know, Lord, that you'll take us through this time of trial and a time of crisis. You will take us where our economies are trying to open up and businesses are trying to restart. Many of them will never come back. Lord, I, I, I just pray that you'll be with those under the sound of this voice. And Lord, that you'll bring them close to you. And that today, because we came this way, even in the parking lot, in the center of Covington, Georgia, you can speak to our heart. Lord, make us witnesses to those that don't know you. And may we not be ashamed to share the love of Jesus. Lord, for those that have lost loved ones, Larry Cheek, his wife Kathy lost her dad in the last few days. We just pray that you'll be with them in the loss of, of that loved one. And God, help us as we continue to minister in these difficult days as we seek your face and follow your will. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you guys. Love you. Now you can go get you something to eat. Be careful going out.